Hello everyone out there in Sooner Nation and welcome back to the Boomer Broadcast, your home for OU Sooners football. Coming to you after a disappointing, close, really back and forth game against Florida State, a 35-32 to loss in the Cheez-It Bowl. I mean, this was a tough one. I mean, Florida State came in, now a 10-win team. They finished the season at 10-3, and ranked number 13th in the nation. I mean, this was a golden chance for us to really finish the season on a high note, knock off a top 25 team, and head into the offseason with even more momentum, but unfortunately didn't turn out that way. It was overall, I mean, a pretty exciting game, a back and forth game. At least we didn't get blown out, which <laughs> I haven't, as many of you all out there have seen, and especially some of the playoff games and things like that. At least we didn't absolutely get mopped all over the field last night. So that was that was definitely a positive. But I mean, unfortunately, we will finish with our first losing record for a season since '98. We'll finish at six and seven. We actually finished seventh in the conference conference only ahead of Kansas, West Virginia, and Iowa State. So definitely a drop-off from what we're all used to and playing in the in, in the playoff games and the top-tier bowls and things like that. So like I said, it, 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 was, it, it could have been a lot better, but it also could have been a lot worse. And so in this episode, we'll break down all that. We'll get into the three things I like, three things I didn't like, and then we'll close out the show talking about some recruiting, a little bit of a look ahead to next season, and all so we'll get into some fan questions in there as well. So now we'll get into three things, and we'll start out with the things that I didn't like. And the first thing that I didn't like was the clock management slash use of the timeouts. We did end up having to burn two timeouts in the third quarter, which ultimately did come back to haunt us because at the end of the game, we only ended up with the ball back. We had to burn the timeout to save a little bit of time when Florida State had it on their final drive. And we ended up getting back with only 55 seconds, and you had a false start. And I think there was another penalty thrown in there and just kind of, a, kind of kind of a train wreck of a final series when you're trying to go down and at least just get into field goal range. You didn't even have to get a touchdown since we were only down by three, just trying to get into field goal range. But it's definitely easy to say that those timeouts could have made a difference and would have helped and especially given us more options on that final drive. The second thing that I didn't like, which you all have heard and probably noticed quite a bit during the game, was still some of the angles and the tackling of this defense still leaves a lot to be desired and that's something that we've really got to work on I mean there was one run I think it was in the second quarter where the guy looked like he cut in and then out to the sideline and there were three people that like converged all at once on him and and and, and none of them made the tackle and ended up being a long run and then later on this wasn't really a tackling thing but even the coverage when they showed the angle it was cool and they showed on the replay they showed the angle behind the FSU quarterback and I think it was the the uh, tight end touchdown pass if I recall right where they showed when he ran just a little slant and like three people on the on our defensive side went with the slot guy and left him all but wide open and those unfortunately are just some of the the maddening breakdowns and mental mistakes which we've seen way too often this year and there's and should be hopefully a major point of emphasis in this offseason like I said because we got to get ready to go into the SDC where like I said you're, you're going to really see some athletes and every, every everybody there is going to be you know a, a top tier talent pretty much especially with the top two-thirds of teams there in the SEC. And the third thing that I didn't like, and we'll touch base on him a little more later on when we talk about his possible future at OU, but Dylan Gabriel just 
It looked inconsistent last night and really just never got into a rhythm. He ended up, I mean, kind of a pedestrian 14 of 24, 243 yards and one touchdown. But he just never really looked comfortable. I mean, some of the play calling, I mean, you can question a little bit of that last night. It seemed like Lebby was still just, again, he wasn't really even even kind of able to settle into the game. It was kind of just a mishmash of different things and a couple things would work and then you seem to go away from it and all that. And so, and again, I mean, this is what happens when you have, I mean, three, four weeks in between playing a game and then all of a sudden you play a bowl game. I mean, I've never liked those big gaps anyway. That's a subject for a different podcast, but I've never liked when you have those because it, it is hard to stay sharp. You know, you definitely didn't. I mean, Florida State did look like the more prepared team and they came to play. And so, like I said, with, with Gabriel not really having, I mean, we, we needed a lot more from him last night and we didn't get it. And I think that was one thing that definitely hurt us. We were strong in the run game, which actually leads me to the first thing that I did like was in fact the running game. And even though we were actually down four offensive linemen in the game, which says something about our depth and is, again, hopefully another positive sign for next year. But we still ended up with 253 yards on the ground, led by a man you've heard me talk about for quite a bit who could be a young freshman to watch is Javante Barnes. He ended up with 27 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown. But Gavin Sawchuk, I mean, talk about another freshman coming out of nowhere. This kid ended up with 15, 100, 6.6. 7-yard average and a touchdown himself. And so I tell you what, I mean, you know, cuz we're going to be likely losing Eric Gray and things like that in the backfield and so I mean with Barnes and Sawchuck, we could be in pretty good shape heading into next year at least in the offensive backfield. So tonight was a was a good sign of what may be to come in terms of some of the rushing stats and some of the rushing prowess we may be looking at next year for the squad. The second thing that I did like, and also on the offensive side of the ball, was what I'm hoping is the continued emergence of Jaleel Farouk. He had another solid game last night, four catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. Mims was okay. He only ended up with a couple catches, and we'll talk about him more a little bit later. But I'm really hoping Farouk can kind of lead this team next year, especially if Mims may or may not be back. I'm hoping he really can, because again, Braden Willis is going to be going to the NFL most likely. We do have Austin Stogner coming back from South Carolina. He's transferring back to OU, so that's going to help. But I will say next year with, I mean, Farouk at wideout, Barnes and Sawchuk in the backfield, Stogner at tight end. Again, the quarterback situation and, and, and what may happen there, we'll get into more a little bit later as well. But overall, a good offensive core heading into next year. And again, as we mentioned with four offensive linemen out, and we were still able to get almost 250 yards on the ground in a bowl game against a very good team does bode well for our offensive squad and hopefully a good foundation as we as we move into the 2023 season. And the third thing that I did like was overall, I mean, again, there were some questionable things in this game, like there is in every football game. But, I mean, ov- overall, we just stayed in the game. I mean, we did seem to be engaged, never really gave up. I mean, again, as I said, we only lost by three to the number 13 team. 
team in the nation on a on a on a neutral field. I mean, in a in a bowl game. So I mean, like I said, it's it, it could have turned out a lot better. And I wish this podcast was like I said the uh, the other end of the uh, other end of the coin, where other side of the coin, where it was you know we just beat the number thirteen team and we finished seven and six and we head into the season like I said riding riding a high. But unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way. But like we said, I mean, at least we didn't get absolutely blown out and we were engaged. There were some positives, a good bit of positives to pull from this game. Again, the defense is still going to need a lot of work. But last night's game could have been a lot uglier. It wasn't. And so, like I said, there's there's going to be some good things Venables is going to have to build on in that locker room after this game. So now to get into some fan questions, Ryan asked, will we have a winning season in 2023? Will the defense be better in 2023? Will Mims and Gabriel be back next year? And how about Jackson Arnold's ability to maybe step in and play early? Well, I think I think we will have a winning season next year. I, I haven't looked at the schedule yet, but I think we will end up with a winning season next year. Looking ahead to the non-conference games, we've got Arkansas State, SMU, and Tulsa early. Obviously, Arkansas State, if we lose that game, we need to just forfeit the rest of the season, but SMU's a strong squad. Tulsa's also a strong squad, and with OU, I mean, there's no, uh, as we've learned this past season and many other seasons previous, there's no guarantees with this team, so, but I would look for us to have a winning record. I mean, like I said, it, it we're going we're gonna to retool on, you know, on offense with the good foundation, hopefully plug in a few more people. The defense needs a lot of work. But I like I said, I'm hoping we can tip that scale. We were razor thin, only one game away this year from a five hundred season, so hopefully we will. And then as we talked about, I mean the defense will need a lot of work. And so then we'll actually we'll get into a big defensive pickup that we had when we talk about recruiting in a little bit. But I th- I think next year will be a better year overall and you know, maybe like a you know nine not nine Nine and five, you know, you know, eight, eight and six type of season, you know, somewhere in there, depending on what all happens, I think would be reasonable. And then Scott added, "Will uh, Venables learn game slash clock management?" There was definitely a good bit of that that could have been done better this year. And that's one of those things, I mean, as the head coach now, as the top dog and CEO, that's something that Venables will just have to get better at. I mean, it, it, it's probably an aspect of the game that's probably understated or one of those things that you don't really notice until it kind of goes bad. It's kind of like a referee. It's like they're kind of invisible until they make a couple bad calls. Then everybody knows their name and <laughs> starts piling on them and stuff. And so, I mean, that, I mean, you see it, I mean, a lot in the NFL, I mean, with different teams and things like that. I mean, it's, like I said, I think it's an underrated aspect of the game that's a continually evolving one. And hopefully Venables gets better at that. I mean, he probably was a little distracted this year. And I mean, like I said, this was just, you know, you just just an off year and, and, and kind of a get your feet wet, get yourself into the program, lay some lay some foundations for some different areas. And so I, I would look for him to hopefully get better at that. I mean, at Clemson, obviously, he worked with a top-level coach and Dabo Swinney, who really, I mean, like I said, had, had built a powerhouse and still has a top 10 top 15 team almost every year there at Clemson so I mean he's got the pedigree there I think it's there but those are one of those things that in the game you got to make snap decisions and things have to happen quick and 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 if it's the wrong decision like I said you end up with a six and seven season like we do or those little small decisions in that aspect of the game add up to a non-winning season 
then Ben asked, what about the players that are possibly staying or going next year, which leads me into a subject that I did want to delve into for a little bit, and I'll start at the most important position of all. Dylan Gabriel, he actually has one year left of eligibility, and so he can transfer or decide to stay, whichever works best for him. And as we're all probably well aware, we've got Jackson Arnold, the five-star just stud recruit that's going to be coming in next year. And so I and I was talking with a friend of mine about this last night. We were watching the game. I, I kind of look at it as really with him kind of one of two options, and there's positives and negatives to both of them. I mean, if he transfers, obviously he gets a fresh start somewhere. He'll probably go somewhere where he doesn't have much competition. And then again, if he stays here, you could almost look at it as a couple years ago where it was the Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams situation, where as soon as Rattler started struggling. I mean, fans were calling for Williams, I think a bit prematurely. Again, it worked out well, and Williams ended up turning out to be a stud. Won the Heisman this year at USC, yada yada, but at least they didn't make the playoffs, so I was very happy to see that. But, I mean, I, I don't know. If if I had to say, I would look for Gabriel to transfer, because I don't, I don't see him as a hyper competitor or somebody that's going to want to be like, yeah, I'm going to come in and take over and keep this five-star kid on the bench. I I would look for Gabriel to transfer somewhere else, which is going to leave us obviously dangerously thin at quarterback. We've had a couple other guys transfer in there as well. And I mean, it's it happens, but it's really not. I mean, it's more the exception than the norm when you get that Caleb Williams type that can come in and really set the world on fire and take over as a true freshman. Now, if all we're hearing about Jackson Arnold is true, maybe that timeline for him could be accelerated and he's able to do it. But like I said, I'd, I would look for Gabriel to go somewhere else where he can start. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder. And then, like I said, hopefully Arnold can step up. We may get another transfer guy to come in and maybe somebody to kind of keep the seat warm for Arnold, something like that. But that's what, if I had to put money down, that's what I would see happen at the quarterback position at least. And the second big name is Marvin Mims, who's a junior, so he's got another year of eligibility. And he's had a strong season. I... I think, I mean, he could go to the NFL if he had a good combine. I mean, he's a little small at 5'11". I mean, you know, he's not a big wide receiver. If he had a strong combine and a, and a, and a strong offseason and getting ready for the draft, if he went that route, I could maybe see him as like a late second, possibly a third. I think it would really benefit Mims if he would stay for another year, get some more polishing, maybe have a, much more of an eye opening stat season, something that he could really kind of take into the into the draft and really kind of show people, hey, you know, I'm really ready for this. I mean, his season numbers-wise was really pretty good. I mean, 54 catches, 1,083 yards, and six touchdowns. But again, that to me puts him about round two to four. I think if he comes back with another strong one, he, he could be looking at possibly first or a very strong second round pick. And that's what I would like to see. And then you'd have a good veteran leading your wide receiver core with Farouk, as we mentioned before, and, and, and some other young guys coming in. I would like to see that, but obviously it's, you know, it's up to Mims what's, what's the best choice for him and his family at this stage of his life. 
And to get a little bit further into the recruiting side of the ball, if you all saw that I posted the article on the Facebook page a couple weeks ago, but five-star defensive back Peyton Bowen kind of got kind of a wild recruiting. He actually like committed to Notre Dame, then committed to Oregon, but I guess on signing day we actually got him to flip from Oregon to OU. So kind of kind of wild, and I, I I admit it almost it has me just a little concerned. I mean, about, I mean, his commitment ability. I mean, is he truly all in on OU? I mean, is he one where if he's not, you know, you know, you know, lighten it up as the next Roy Williams in his first year, is he going to be looking to transfer? So I'd, I'd, I hope his kind of lack of commitment or his hopping around that he was doing doesn't, it, it doesn't foreshadow, you know, maybe what he'll do here. So like I said, we'll get, we'll give the young man a chance. Happy as heck to have him. It sounds like he, he could be really a potential playmaker in that defensive backfield. So welcome to the Sooner family, young man, and hopefully uh, hopefully you stay around for at least three years and then head off to the NFL. But overall, from what I've seen on 24-7 sports, we still have a top 10 recruiting class. And so, like I said, I mean, it doesn't look like we lost a ton of people and keeping guys like Arnold, getting Bowen, stuff like that. I mean, I mean that's going to be huge because, I mean, with the sub-500 season and all the turnover at the at the top level here at OU, you, you it would have been understandable if you had a bunch of these guys that would have left, especially Arnold. Him staying is, is beyond huge if he turns out to be, like I said, even half of what the hype says he could be. So, like I said, should be good. I mean, there will still be more that will happen. I mean, the transfer portal is still very active, both coming and going, and that's just going to be a part of the college football landscape for the for definitely the, the near, if not the, if not the far future with the way things are going. So, like I said, to be able to maintain that top class is huge and is definitely a, a, another, another reason to believe in Venables and the staff and, and that they can get the ship right it and turn it around hopefully starting next year Oh, that'll wrap up this episode, the final episode of the 2022 season. As we said, didn't didn't end like we'd hoped, but definitely some reason for optimism heading into 2023. So this podcast can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash boomer broadcast. There's also links out there for Apple and Google podcasts. The Facebook fan page is facebook.com forward slash boomer broadcast OU. Please continue to get out there and like and share and comment. I love of interacting with y'all out there. Also post breaking news and any, any any big OU stuff out there and usually try to live blog the games. Obviously the season's done now, but try to live blog and live update the games out there. So definitely please continue to get out there and follow that. And you can find us on Twitter at Sooner Podcast. So to wrap up this uh, final episode of 2022 and the Huskies actually beat them last night. So nice job, but as always, keep your chin up and your horn down.